Welcome to Freya's Fairy Tales. We believe fairy tales are both stories we enjoyed as children and something that we can achieve ourselves. Each week, we will talk to authors about their favorite fairy tales when they were kids and their adventure to holding their very own fairy tale in their hands. At the end of each episode, we will finish off with a fairy tale or short story read as close to the original author's version as possible. I am your host, Freya Victoria. I'm an audiobook narrator that loves reading fairy tales, novels, and bringing stories to life through narration. I'm also fascinated by talking to authors and learning about their why and how for creating their stories. We have included all of the links for today's author and our show in the show notes. Be sure to check out our website and sign up for our newsletter for the latest on the podcast. Today is part two of two, where we are talking to Morgan Gaines about her novels. After today, you will have heard about dictating your first stories to your mom, getting support from your husband, who helped to encourage her to publish her first book, rearranging your books when your characters talk too much, ignoring bad advice, using reviews to help improve your story, and learning how to promote on social media. Echoes of Bellic. Memory is a gift. It's also a curse. When Cyrus Arbitrum refuses to marry the crown princess of Osmaria, his father disowns him. He's cast out into the world, plagued by loneliness and memories of his troubled childhood. He's becoming the man he never intended to be, finding solace in drugs and alcohol. His life is spiraling out of control. It's only a matter of time before he gets caught up in another dangerous situation, one that may cost him everything. Tessa, a fiery woman with a passion for flowers, lights the spark of hope for a better future in his heart. She holds tight to her own secrets as she cares for her ailing father, secrets that may threaten their budding relationship. Cyrus grasps his second chance, determined to move beyond the memories that haunt his nightmares. This chance at happiness is within reach, but a darkness is rising that desires the power Cyrus doesn't know he possesses. Will he survive to shine brightly? Or will the darkness destroy him? I mean, the past couple of weeks, I haven't written anything because we've been having a lot of family stuff going on. And mm-hmm. I come I come home at night or I sit down at night and I look at the computer. I'm like, I, I don't have it in me right now. That and I have to take care of myself first. <laughs> my, uh, my husband's computer decided to yeet his Wi-Fi a couple of days ago. Like, oh. the, the Wi-Fi... There was no Wi-Fi, according to the computer. His computer had no Wi-Fi connection available. Not not just that, like, you search for networks and it couldn't find just one. Like, there nothing. was no Wi-Fi <laughs> at all to try to connect to. It was gone. So, like, four hours later, I fixed it. But then my brain was so, like, angry from it taking four hours of editing audio time so that I could have my weekend totally off. To fix this computer, I was like, I, I'm i so mad I cannot write right now because if I try to write right now, it's going to be angry. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Or I'm going to be staring at the screen going, what? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much where I've been lately. It's just like sit down, stare at the screen. It's not working. So I've just go and do other stuff that's self-care at that point. Mm-hmm. Because if I force it, I mean, sometimes I do. I, I said sometimes I'll like join a uh, word sprint on a Discord like, you know, 15-minute word sprint. And sometimes that helps break me free from that. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's just a matter of taking time for you and self-care. And That's I've what seen all of my a writing is. Authors. 
It's like, <laughs> I, I always write in like, um, so at the beginning of the year, I committed to like 10 minutes a day of writing. So that's essentially what all my writing is, is these 10 minute, 15 minute writing, just sprint it out. We'll yeah. go back and clean it up later, but just like get it done. I found this a really useful, like if I'm, st- especially when I'm stuck in a scene where like, things are just not working on the scene for me, is mm-hmm. setting that sort of like time limit and just writing whatever I can. And usually I can some, it just like unlocks something in my brain. Yeah. Your brain's like, like, no oh, stress. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's, I feel like, so there's authors that I know set like a word count per day they have to get out. And then there's authors that are like, I don't know, word count per day, I think is the most common goal that I see. But I was like, that's not realistic for me because like I... I'm narrating and I'm, you know, working full time and I'm having to like prep other narration books. Like I have so many other things going on that I was like trying to say like, oh, you have to write a thousand words a day or 5,000 words a day or 10,000 words a day. I don't have time for that. So I'm like in my like 10 to 15 minutes I write each day, I can get like two to 500 words done in that time period, depending on like if my brain is working I had one day where I had to come up with the job for the main character's dad. And I'm like, I cannot think of what job would make sense for what I've set up for his life so far. <laughs> so <laughs> it turned into 15 minutes of me and my husband like, what would be good blue collar jobs that like <laughs> you could do this and that while you work? <laughs> I ended up Googling a list of blue collar jobs in case anyone yeah. needs ideas for how to find jobs for your characters. Google it. <laughs> Yeah, I have so many things I have saved in bookmarks, just random things I've had to research. I'm like, oh, that's not useful right now, but maybe for later. Yeah. I'm going to need that. <laughs> and then keeping track of all the like random what color eyes did I give that character? Throw that into a Google sheet so that like you can yeah. reference it later. I have like a character spreadsheet of like like age. Uh, ages is my big thing. I always forget what ages I gave my characters. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, instead of digging through, I'm like, I have it in a Google spreadsheet. Okay, that's the character. This is their age. You know, this is, you know, who they're related to in the book, because otherwise yeah. I just lose it at some point. Yeah. Yeah. And names, too. Names, because I am terrible with names. So at the point that I've, like, finally figured out what name to give, I have to keep track of that. Because yeah. like, <laughs> I'm like, I can't, <laughs> I can't figure it out. So what would you say is the best and worst advice that you've gotten? So what's the best piece of advice you've gotten and then the worst piece of advice you've gotten? I would say the worst pieces of advice I've I've seen or gotten, because sometimes not directed at me, but it sort of ties back to high school. Um, I had had one English teacher (laughs) who was a new English teacher and it was senior English. um, And he criticized my use of what he termed outdated language because I wrote with a lot of or I didn't write with a lot but I used words like therefore or whereas um in my writing in high school and sounds like a personal preference thing but okay crossed them all out and said that's outdated English no one uses it anymore don't use them only English teacher I've ever had do that to me and I just remember being so mad because it was more of a personal preference thing. And everyone has yeah. their own writing style. So anytime I see anything on TikTok, anywhere else, where people are criticizing something that's really just a personal preference, mm-hmm. I get aggravated because it's so easy for young authors, I think, and young writers to fall into this. I have to make my writing perfect grammatically. Mm-hmm. It has to follow the exact expectations of people but then you start losing your voice. 
Well, that's all and these ones that, that are balanced. like that are like books have to follow this exact plot scheme of yes. stuff. I'm like, how boring would books be if every book followed the exact same recipe, the exact same way? It'd be all the same book. Yep. No one wants to read the exact same book over and over and over again. <laughs> and one one time that this I, this really drove it home for me is I. Uh, I homeschool all my four kids. So we are reading some E.B. White and Stuart Little. And E.B. White is notorious for run-on sentences. I don't sure I've seen any children's author of sentences that go on as long as his manages to do. And as an adult, as a kid, I never noticed this. But as an adult, I'm reading it out loud. And I'm not finding any place to pause. And I'm like, okay, if like E.B. White published nowadays with some of the people that are giving their editing advice on TikTok, they would not be happy with how he writes and his writing style. Right. But he's a well-known children's author. He's That's famous. Charlotte's Web, right? <laughs> Charlotte's Web, Stuart yeah. Little, um, The Trumpet of the Swan, all those. And yes, so that was really the I don't point know. where I was like, okay. I don't think I noticed it reading Charlotte. I don't really pay attention to that. I feel like As Stuart a narrator, Little is a lot rougher. To... <laughs> I have to find the pauses when I'm narrating because I do come across sentences where you're like, there needs to be air in here somewhere. Where can I, where could I like slow down for emphasis in this sentence? <laughs> it's like, yep. I'm used to having to do that already. <laughs> I make my own commas and periods. There should really be one here. I promise. <laughs> and there's also another reason why I don't feel so bad. Um, now about pulling a treachery of ravens off the market and rewriting it um, because i actually found out that uh tolkien actually rewrote parts of the hobbit to better fit in with the whole series mm. so there's like a whole chapter he rewrote in it and then republished it so it's i feel like books are in a way sort of evolving and living where we can mm -hmm. make changes and we can we can make them better and I know in traditional publishing, that's sort of frowned upon. Well, it's harder to do because it's, it's such harder a to long do as well. process. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a huge, you know, you, you're already set out, you know, a thousand, two thousand books. But as a smaller author right now, it's nice to have that freedom of finding sort of my voice and being able to correct things I know aren't quite right mm -hmm. in order to make my work stronger in the long run. So it's it's a nice thing about being sort of a smaller author and a self-published author is I have that freedom. Right. You can pull it and, you know, fix yeah. it relatively quickly as opposed to um, like I've worked with a couple authors that do work with not big publishers, but like smaller, like small press stuff. And like it's it's a long process. Like if they fix it, it's yeah. like oh, I'll fix it in the next you know, iteration, but that that might take, you know, months to get the new version done. So yep. <laughs> it's yeah, not a not a fast process if you're with any kind of a publisher. Um I have one author that's constantly like, do not sign with the publisher unless it's a trad pub or like a big pub. And I'm like, I have no desire to give away my royalties to anybody. So unless you're bringing some <laughs> hell of a promotion team behind it, no. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I I will say I'm a control freak about my writing and the idea that a publisher would have like a say in what my characters are doing and how they're written and what I publish even any series right now that I'm writing just makes me not comfortable. So it's not really yeah. the way for me to do it. But I definitely also see like 
I know back when I was younger, as a kid, it was like, oh yeah, I'll get signed on by a publisher and they'll be able to publish my books. They'll be all known all over the world. <laughs> like that idealized view of it. Well, now, I mean, there's authors that have done really, really well for themselves just based off social media and TikTok and, you know, oh, yeah. all the all the other things available that like don't have their books traditionally published. I mean, there's tons of authors now that have their books in like Barnes and Noble that aren't published through a publisher. They did it themselves. Yeah. Um, I think at the end of the day, as long as you're putting out a professional product, whether you are able to do all the steps yourself and make it look professional or whether you like with you with your cover knowing like this is outside of my wheelhouse of being able to to do it I need to pay someone to do this because I can't yeah yep <laughs> like as a you know instead of putting out a cover that wouldn't have been your favorite or whatever um now I've seen some people very 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 proud of their covers that they made themselves and I'm like ooh <laughs> so <laughs> I would never tell anyone that, like, to their face. Like, actually, to be honest, I did tell one author that, but. <laughs> I guess I, it depends. I would tell them if they asked for honest feedback. I, yeah, that's, I, I'm it pushing a, it, but I'm like. Yeah. <laughs> it was an author I had a really good, like, I narrated a bunch of books um, for them. And I was like, you know, we had a, like, every single time they would ask me, like, um, you know, what did you think of the story? What did you think of this? What did you think of that? And so then I got an offer on another book and I was like, but can we remake that cover though? Because it doesn't yeah. fit with any of the rest of the books. And like, if I were to just see this book up for audition, I would not have touched it. So, And the thing about like being a small author, I've found that I do need to rely a lot on that sort of feedback from other people. Like my beta mm -hmm. readers, um, I had to be like, yeah, be honest. And the ones who are really like bluntly honest to me are the ones that have been like the most helpful yeah. in me saying, oh, okay, this storyline isn't working for the people. Like this person isn't understanding it. Or, you know, this this comment, I need to really reevaluate it and see if it actually fits with the character. Mm -hmm. And so it's really great that we have the ability to reach out to all these different like different types of people and reach out across social media and actually make those connections with the technology we have nowadays. Well, it's even with like, you know, I get bad reviews on audiobooks that I've done or whatever. I'm like, if it is constructive criticism, yes. like, like if you're just coming on and you just say you don't like my voice, I can't do anything about that. My voice <laughs> is my voice. It is what it is. People don't like I have more like a newscastery way that I kind of narrate or that's what I have been told. A lot of people don't like that, apparently. Some people love that. So I can't change it because it's differing. Like, they can contradict each other. Um, but if I were to get something that was like, oh, my God, why does she... I have I don't even know what to give an example of. But, like, you know, if there was something, like, in your, in your book, for example, if someone was... Like, if you were constantly getting comments about, like, the editing being really bad... Yep. You, sh you should take that into consideration. Do I think you should look at all of your reviews? No, I think, you know, all of our mental I health have... can't handle that. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> I have some friends who who will not look at the reviews um, just because it does not help them out in any way in terms of mental health. Personally, I like looking at reviews and I mm -hmm. love it when someone offers constructive criticism because it really helps. It does help me as an author. Mm -hmm. I don't interact with reviewers unless they come in and interact with me. Yeah, they in tag which case, you in. Yeah, if they tag yeah. me or if they or if, you know, I've already talked to them before and I know that they're OK with interactions because I want like I, I'm a reader and an author. So I understand that 
there needs to be a safe place for them to say what they need to say. Right. And I've also had times where I've written long reviews about books um, that I didn't like, or maybe just didn't quite work for me. And then post them. I've been like, I'm really nervous. I hope this author is like the nice type that isn't going to come at me. Cause we all heard the horror stories yeah. of the authors just losing it on reviewers. Right. Luckily it doesn't happen very often. I've, I found that I most authors I've dealt with are great. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a couple just repeat offenders that we see constantly. Yeah. <laughs> I think is what so it I is. Know that, like on, on TikTok, there's a big debate for a while about whether or not authors should ever interact with reviewers. And some people are firmly in the, authors should not be talking to reviewers at all and i find that difficult to understand because authors are often also readers yeah so we're going to be interacting with other readers as well and we're going to be talking to them and if if a reviewer like i've had one person who was reading my arc of um echoes of balak and she messaged me she said hey i'm gonna send if i notice any typos because i know it's an arc um but do you want like my play-by-play reactions do you want me to send those to you? And I was like, yes, please. Yeah. Please do. Because I love seeing that. And it's not something I usually get to see because you send your book out in the world. Right. And then you don't really hear anything about it unless someone does a review about it. Yeah. I so came like across... she sent me all her play by play. It was amazing. I, I loved it <laughs> so much to see yeah. all her reactions and to know, like, know in my head what's coming up in the next chapter as she's reading. Right. <laughs> I came across one author who talked about when she she sends to her, I don't remember if it was alphas or betas, three chapters at a time. And then she would send them kind of like a questionnaire, but it was more like a how do you feel about the chapters? And if like hmm. the ratings for it were under like, say there was out of like out of 10, if it was under like a five, she would go back and rewrite that chapter because like if you know they didn't like it enough, something was wrong with it. Um, I thought that was... An interesting way. I don't know. It feels a little tiny bit clinical, but also it seems like it would be a good idea in some instances. Yeah, um, I can see how it would like remove that pressure of, especially if it's just a rating, remove that pressure of having to like worry about writing out a comment or being mm-hmm. able to like say what you want to say about it, but not maybe knowing how to word it. Um, I do question though, what if it's a chapter where the reader's not supposed to like it? I mean, <laughs> maybe it's I a think chapter where they like... hate that chapter. I think there was like a series of questions and like, how would you rate this part of the okay. thing on a scale of one to five or whatever? And like, if it scored under a certain amount, then she would re- redo because it. I had a book recently and I, I the book was fabulous, but the book made me so frustrated and upset for the main character. It's And so like I wrote my review, I said, I, I think the author meant it to do this. And later on, she actually saw my review and like confirmed, yes, I meant it to be that way. But it made me so frustrated as a reader <laughs> for the character and what the character went through and the resolution at the end for the character. It's part of a series, too. So obviously, I'm going to have to read the series as it's put out. <laughs> but it was what the author intended. Is mm-hmm. She intended that to have that impact to make a point about some societal issues in the mm-hmm. book. And it was very well done because it gave me that reaction that yeah. it was supposed to give. So it's, it's interesting. Um, just sort of how that all ties together, emotions and everything, and, yeah. and trying to find that balance. At the end of the day, I think it's write the book that you want to write and that you are yeah. happy with at the end. Know what your strengths and weaknesses are as far as like the process goes. The author I just talked to talked about um, she, the first editor 
she worked with, did her formatting for her, and then she had to do her formatting. And so she, like the learning curve of having to format her book on her own suddenly. And um, now she's helping other people format their books. And I'm like, I mean, that's just one of those things that like, you just have to know, like... I've been, <laughs> I have three podcasts, okay? And so I make a lot of graphics and stuff in Canva, but it's yeah. like something that I'm like, I wish I had the funds to be able to pay someone else to do it because like while I am capable of doing it, it takes time and it's so annoying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, not, yeah, that that part, like being able to outsource what what is just not your thing if yeah. you're able. Um, I think that, yeah, I think some of the best advice I'd say other than writing your own stories, also just being open to constructive feedback mm -hmm. because sometimes it's hard because it's, it's your baby. Like you write this and you work mm -hmm. so hard on it. And then when someone says, Hey, this character, this is offensive or Hey, this just doesn't make sense to me. And you keep getting the same feedback. Like you were saying, mm -hmm. you need to be able to understand that they're not coming at you. Mm -hmm. they're they're saying hey to make this book better here's some feedback right. here's ways, to, ways to improve it well so especially that's... in situations like offensive stuff yes you would... yep now sometimes i do realize that is part of the story and other times that needs to not be part of the story but no, being aware of what you have in there that could possibly be offensive i think is also very important yep I mean, I have um, in the second book, I have a character who's purposely offensive towards a character who's non-binary, but I also address it with the other characters where they're like, this is not right. Like, you yeah. can't be this way. Um, and I haven't gotten any negative feedback about that because it's it's part of that character. It's, he's just, he's not a good character. <laughs> he's not a good person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like it's all, that's slightly different I don't know I feel like I'm like so like I don't want to step on anybody in pretty much every so I posted a video I talked to an author a couple weeks ago who talked about going through her followers and deleting like ones that weren't actively like posting on TikTok and ones that like didn't ever post about books and like all this stuff and like removing them so I like started doing that because I don't know the way algorithms to my understanding work is they send it out to like a percentage of people that follow you and then see how many interact and then they'll send it to more. Well, if like all the people they're sending it to aren't book people, they're not going to interact with your book videos. <laughs> so yeah. I start doing that and I post a video and the mistake that I think I made is mentioning what I was using because authors mention all the time that they're cleaning up their feed. They're cleaning up their followers yep. and stuff, but they don't usually mention what they're using as the like how to get the rid line. of people so i'm like i think that's where i went wrong i said like what exactly i was looking for in accounts and i'm like maybe we shouldn't do that so i like made the video private and have continued to remove followers but i'm just like i'm curious to see um what happens in my account if if tiktok sticks around um, because I had two videos that were not book related um, get like 1.7 million views each oh, gosh. Uh, the past couple of weeks. Oh, gosh. Um, which is fabulous that they got that many views. I But I just had to post them. It's literally just a cap cut template over um, a song that's, that came out recently. And it hit. And so my own little caption of my reaction to it. And it hit a lot of nerves, apparently. Mm. Um and so I've gained over, I think I want to say about 2000 more followers in the past couple of weeks, oh, gosh. I think solely because of those videos, but I don't know like what their interests are, if I'm going to get interactions because on my other 
videos, I've seen a little bit more action, but not the amount that you'd see, you'd think for that many new followers. Yeah. So I'm going to see what happens because I don't watch like delete people, especially since a lot of them, a lot of people just like my husband, he just uses TikTok account. He doesn't post videos. He has his picture and his name and that's it. Um, so a lot of people, that's what they do. Mm-hmm. And so I hate to delete followers that are honestly interested in what I'm writing and what I'm doing. Well, if what I was can't so funny. Determine. So I post this video and I didn't get it got quite a few views pretty fast. Not not millions. <laughs> it was controversial and TikToks. <laughs> and I had four people comment on it. Four people who had never been following me. I've never seen their name before, but they were incredibly upset that I was removing. Oh, oh my accounts that I'm like, if someone I'm like, for example, you four people who are very upset about this whole video. If you four people were interacting with my videos, you're liking, you're commenting, you've talked to me before, like I know who you are. That is completely different from someone who is lurking and never liking and never commenting. And I don't even know you exist because all you did was like follow me at one time and then never do anything ever again. (laughs) (laughs) Like now if, I'm kind of to the point where I'm like, I'm, I don't even know how far down the list I am, but I'm like, I only have like 2000 followers total, well, less than 2000 now um, that I've removed a bunch. Um, but I'm like, it's exhausting to have to go yeah. through. <laughs> I saw someone it takes talk so much about, time. I saw someone talk about they are going through right now and following all their mutuals on like other social medias in case something happens. Yeah, I've been trying, I've been trying to do that, but it takes a lot of time. Yeah. I'm like, Oh my God, I can't even, I'm like, I just need to like put up a video and be like, listen, if you want to like stick with me forever, make sure you're on like my newsletter. But like, otherwise I can't make any promises because like I just don't have time. <laughs> like yep. one was like six hours in and I'm like, Oh, I don't have six hours. That's just like, <laughs> that's, that's too much. <laughs> yep six yeah i have so many other things i could be doing in six hours yes. <laughs> including the stack of audio that i need to edit for the rest of today i'm like <laughs> like no no I, w- I will not be doing that um <laughs> i do try to catch ones like when i come when i come across people that i like though and i'll go the problem is that like half the time I don't see the people that I like's videos. So yeah, I've I've had to go track them down pretty much, and and then go yeah. and look them up on Instagram and try to add them, and yeah, it's it's a whole process. <laughs> well, now there's there's Clapper. So like I downloaded yesterday, I downloaded a video from TikTok and put it on Clapper, and it pushed it like it had been on TikTok for hours, and it had like fifty views, and I put posted on Clapper, and I get like three hundred and fifty views really fast. And then it suddenly stopped. And I'm like, I think something happened. And then today I get noticed, like, we stopped pushing your video because it has a watermark from another app on it. And I'm like, ah, that makes sense. <laughs> okay, yep. <laughs> so I've, no, I've been hearing of some alternatives, but I haven't I haven't tried to, any alternatives yet to TikTok. So that's I'm, the one I'm that I've seen. Some stuff. That's the one that I've just seen. It's very, very similar to TikTok, like the videos and stuff, but they will not push stuff that has watermarks now tiktok has the ability now like recently where you can download the video before you actually post it and it won't have yep. the watermark um I and there are some think... apps you can get that will let you download um videos without the watermark as well yeah I found i'm so, too lazy to ways, do multiple but... videos <laughs> like i have for example i'm on the one of my podcasts i get paid for my reels for mm-hmm. god knows what reason because there's not a lot of followers on that account but they pay me for my reels 
Um, and on that one, it's like the rules are like it can't be posted on other platforms and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I don't have time. I'm like, if you stop paying me, you stop paying me. But I don't have time to make separate videos for all these platforms. Like, you're yeah. going to get the same video. Now I make it in Canva, so there's no watermark on there. Um, and then I download it and I post it to all the places. And I'm like, if you decide to stop <laughs> paying me because you decide to go search on TikTok and find it, that's fine with me, too. So when yep. I post the same videos to Facebook and Instagram, which are owned by the same company. So I'm like, if yep. you can't even figure out between yourself that I'm posting the exact <laughs> same thing, that's on you. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's your problem at that point. Yeah. I'm like, if my if my very small, like $20 checks go down to zero, I'm okay with that. Like, at <laughs> least I got to have extra time in my day. Like, it is what it is. Yep. All right. Well, I hope you have a great rest of your Saturday. You too. Bye. Bye. As Morgan got older, she liked The Chronicles of Narnia. The Chronicles of Narnia is a series of seven high fantasy novels by British author C.S. Lewis, illustrated by Pauline Baines and originally published between 1950 and 1956. The Chronicles of Narnia has been adapted for radio, television, the stage, film, and video games. The series is set in the fictional realm of Narnia, a fantasy world of magic, mythical beasts, and talking animals. It narrates the adventures of various children who play central roles in the unfolding history of the Narnian world. Except in The Horse and His Boy, the protagonists are all children from the real world who are magically transported to Narnia, where they are sometimes called upon by the lion Aslan to protect Narnia from evil. The books span the entire history of Narnia, from its creation in The Magician's Nephew to the eventual destruction in The Last Battle. The Chronicles of Narnia is considered a classic of children's literature and is Lewis's best-selling work, having sold 120 million copies in 47 languages. It is believed that it may have been inspired by Celtic and Irish mythology. Today we'll be reading about Oisin and Tirna Nag from Irish mythology. Don't forget we're reading Les Mortes d'Arthur, the story of King Arthur and of his noble knights of the round table on our Patreon. You can find the link in the show notes. Oshin and Tirna Nog. Long ago, people in Ireland believed that there was a beautiful land in the western sea called Tirna Nog, the land of the young. It was a place where the trees were always green, the flowers were always in bloom, and men and women never grew old. This is the story of how Oshin, the son of Fionn Macumel, leader of the Fianna, came to go to Tirnanog. One morning the Fianna were hunting deer on the shores of Luflin, in County Kerry. As they rested on a hilltop, a beautiful girl came riding towards them on a snow-white horse. She was dressed like a princess and her long golden hair hung to her waist. As she drew near, Fionn called out, What is your name and what land have you come from? I am Neve of the Golden Hair, and my father is King of Tirnanog. I have heard of a great warrior named Oshin. I have come to find him and ask him to return with me to the land of the young. Fionn was sad, for he feared that if Oshin went with Neve, he would never see him again. But it was too late. Oshin was already in love with the princess. He accepted Neve's invitation and waved goodbye to Fionn and his friends. He jumped onto the horse behind Neve. Away they galloped into the morning mist. 
Over the land and the sea, the fairy horse ran, moving as swiftly as a shadow. At last, they reached the golden shores of Tirnanog. The king and queen welcomed Oshin and held a great feast in his honor. It was a magical land. Oshin hunted and feasted, and at night he told stories of Fionn and the Fianna, and of their lives in Ireland. Oshin had never felt as happy as he did with Neve, and before long they were married. Oshin lived in Tirnanog for three hundred years, but being so happy it only seemed like three. Then a great longing came on him to go back to Ireland. Neve did not want him to go, but at last she agreed and gave him the white horse. Neve warned him, Set foot even once on the soil of Ireland, and you will never return to Tirnanog. When Oshin reached Ireland, he found that everything had changed. There was no trace of his father or the Fianna. As he passed through Glen the Small, the Valley of the Thrushes, he saw a group of men trying to move a large stone. I will help you, he said. The mighty Oshin stooped down in his saddle and with one hand lifted the stone. But as he did so, the saddle strap broke and he tumbled to the ground. Immediately, the fairy horse galloped away and a great change came over Oshin. In the blink of an eye, the great hero of the Fianna became a withered old man. Unsure of what to do, legend has it that the men brought Oshin to St. Patrick. St. Patrick tried to comfort Oshin in his old age. When Oshin learned that the Fianna and his father were long since dead, his heart was filled with sadness. Oshin spoke of the old days of the Fianna and the many great deeds of Fionn, when they hunted and feasted and listened to great stories. He spoke of his time in Tirnanog and his beautiful wife Neve. Although Oshin died soon after, the wonderful stories of Neve and Oshin have lived on. Thank you for joining Freya's Fairy Tales. Be sure to come back next week for W.L.'s journey to holding her own fairy tale in her hands and to hear one of her favorite fairy tales.